Too many jams. It's me, Travis, your favorite host with a name that starts with a T on Too Many Jams. It's a solo episode today. Uh, a few reasons why we can get to it. But uh, the main reason being Robbie's in London. I'm in Toronto. Uh, we're living at our family places until we get our new place in a month in 10 days. And you know what? I I just don't like those virtual pods and um i had some stuff to talk about robbie couldn't make it into town so i just thought you know what why don't i try to rip a solo pod a what an uncomfortable experience like i like this is i was legit a little bit scared by the idea which you know my recent kind of feelings about how i should be doing things meant that i probably should try it uh because i'm gonna be honest also I just did this um, earlier, like two hours ago. I did a full hour-long podcast, and uh, I fucked up the mic setting, and it it was just blowing. I was just blowing air into the mic. It sounded like this. I was like, what up, for an entire hour, and now I got it all set up. I got the headphones on. If you're watching the video, I'm also wearing a ridiculous pair of goggles. They're like motorcycle goggles. Because I'm just in that kind of mood. Because I just did a podcast for an hour by myself. I'm in a basement, okay? With studio lights and a camera and a microphone in front of my face. What am I doing? Like, this is kind of weird. So let me have my weird goggles on. And uh, we'll get into it. It's too many jams. It's a show about all things 20-year-old. With help from friends, experts, and our own personal experiences... We hope to shed some light on those issues that leave our age group lost and confused. So yeah, as I said, this is an experiment. Also a comfort zone exercise. Also an exercise in discipline, having to do it two times in a row. I want to punch something, and I won't. So join me. Uh, I'm going to change your life in one episode, because that's what I do. And uh, if you're someone who listens to this podcast, you know, to get your weekly Philo Robbie... You know, this you might have to sit this one out. Uh, if you're someone who's a who's a dual purpose listener, you know, Team Rob, Team Trab, give me a shot. Uh, if you're if you're you know a ride or die Trab listener, I'm sorry, I feel sorry for you. That's that's a horrible place to be in. But I've got a treat for you. It's all me, and I got something to talk about. So let's get into it. Uh, I just want to take a second to say this is cool I'm talking to you thank you for listening wherever you are whatever you're doing you're sitting somewhere and shout out to the absolute crispiness of this microphone I'm using my vocal mic the one I use for singing uh, on those tracks that I know you guys all play like off the charts because you know they're so sick thank you and uh, But yeah, I'm so crisp right now, and I got headphones on for the first time because I fucked up the last one because I wasn't wearing them. I ain't doing it again. What I want to talk about in today's episode is I had a recent kind of revelation, just like right place, right time, 
right piece of information. I read a book called The War of Art. Obviously, I play on the art of war. And if any of you have read it, you probably get a little tickle, tickle in your pants right now because it probably fired you up too. And um, But I've read a lot of books uh, about self-help. And I find that you can only get from those books, I mean, maybe a margin of understanding, but they really give you maybe one or two things to try, a little extra energy. And until you've kind of gone through some experiences yourself, like they, I don't know, books, uh, I find that you, you basically read them through the lens of how you already think about work and problems in life. And, um, you know, rarely, and it does happen. Sometimes you listen to a podcast, you're reading a book that something kind of breaks through and that's why you do it. And that's what you're looking for. And it gives you, gives you some ideas to try in a new perspective. But this was the first time where I came to a conclusion and I read a book that essentially just read that conclusion back to me from someone else's words. And it was a really whack experience. But yeah, I wanted to talk about it. Uh, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I think this will be exciting to listen to. And, you know, if it's, if it's not, it's an experiment. Let me know. Like, sue me. You're like, All right. I'm trying. All right. Anyway. Okay. It's no secret that the pod's been suffering. Um, maybe it is a secret. I don't know. But at least in my in, in my mind in COVID, the podcast, our music, a lot of things kind of just been getting shit on a little bit. But I'm not making any excuses. COVID took away the ease of getting guests. But how many podcasts pushed through that? You know, how many people figured it? I'm just saying for our situation, it took away the ease to get guests. Also, my co-hosts and I were apart for like you know, half of the first uh, three months, or sorry, half of quarantine, the first three months we were apart. So there was just a lot of factors going against us, but also our kind of structures for work and like, we weren't really caring about it or putting the effort into it. Um, So it was kind of slipping. And uh, I've talked about this in previous episodes I uh, I was in a funk, COVID, you know, kind of just locked in a bit of a cage. Uh, it affected me more than I thought it would for someone who like craves control and really tries to design or like attack kind of every aspect of their life. Uh, I found the, the lack of control in COVID kind of freeing and uh, I leaned into it and I was like, you know what, why don't I just take a break from being a psychopath? And just relax uh, for a little while, and I just let I let like my proverbial gut hang out, and I just didn't wake up to any alarm. I didn't do any work. Just cracked cracked booze when I wanted to. I was just huffing back on a nicotine pen, and I was playing more video games than I ever thought I could at a semi adult age. I was just enjoying it. A lot of social time online when I couldn't get it in person. All my sports were gone and I was getting my competitive fix. My businesses, I I thought, you know what, put them on the shelf, take a little break. You know, you're going to be working for the rest of your life. Anyway, thought a bunch of bullshit. And uh, yeah, six months flew by like a snap. 
And in that six months, I put out one song with my my bandmate, one music video. The podcast was a, you know, it was it, it was persisting with some errors, and I'll I'll give us credit for doing, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not someone who likes to half-ass uh, anything, and I was half-assing it, so I will admit to that. I was half-assing the podcast, I was half-assing my businesses, I was half-assing everything. Um, and, you know, it makes you feel like kind of a phony when your podcast is about, <laughs> like, like figuring shit out, but uh, in the spirit of honesty... That's kind of that's the truth of it, and I mean I don't I don't need to speak for Rob, but I I'd be hard pressed to say he'd disagree. Um, yeah, so you know that that kind of whole situation was happening, and I talked about it I think two episodes ago with Rob. I talked about the whole revelations that being in that funk taught me, and and how much it truly revealed about myself, and how and how I actually really do value myself in reference to things, and. And all that, and so yeah, I came to I came to a, a realization. I explained the two podcasts ago. Uh, a realization about motivation versus discipline, about you know how I was kind of going about things all wrong. I'd recognized patterns uh, in myself. Uh, I recognized that I was dead set on a destination, but I was not dead set on the process to get there and all this stuff. And I talked about it in that episode and I talked about plans to move forward. I will just retouch on it a little bit. I know if you listen to it, I'm sorry, but maybe it'll, uh, it'll re refire it up for you. But essentially the, the core of the realization was there came a point in COVID and maybe it was after, you know, the, <laughs> the girl I was seeing dumped me and just enough time had passed where I, I literally am not strong anymore. Uh, I, I, sh I like, I'm actually weak. Oh, I think it spiked a little bit there. That's why I get the headphones on. I'm like legitimately just like, I don't know. Uh, I was at this place and we didn't talk about this two episodes ago, but right after that, um, around that time I was looking for a solution as I always do. Uh, I'm not, I wasn't just going to wallow for a long period of time. I let it go longer than I thought I would. But uh, yeah, I was looking for a solution. I was looking for a way out. I was looking for a way to turn a bad into a good. Um, just something I do. I don't know why. And uh, uh, we had to move out of our place. The landlord of the place really wanted us gone so they could start construction uh, on an apartment building. So they they were offering us a pretty decent decent contract to move out. I think it was like... I don't know, like, like five or so thousand dollars each. And, uh, yeah, you know what? We had no reason not to, um, in COVID we're like, what's, what's the, what's the difference? And a place was actually kind of available to us that, you know, rents were down and, and, uh, it was looking like, uh, maybe an opportunity to start fresh in a few months. And they extended government assistance and it was a bit of a runway to like restart my, earnings and businesses and just it was a kind of like a way out and uh this was mixed with like I was having just a lot of thoughts about why and what was going on and you know all this shit and I'd come to the conclusions that I talked about a few episodes that uh 
essentially over the last few years, the last, if you've been listening to podcasts for a long time, um, you've been listening to us talk about motivation, accountability, um, different techniques. I still think it was pretty cool that, um, you know, I, I was recognizing that nothing, that I, I was still, I think I was on the right track recognizing that you know, no tool was going to give you motivation, that no tip or trick or whatever was going to motivate you, that it has to come from within. And, you know, I think I was on the right path looking to stuff like visualizations and routine and and just like core, you know, just looking to the inner self for what what I want to do. And, and I was trying to help you know, Robbie, Kevin, and Kristen, all, all of our roommates at the time, as much as I could with them, you know, helping their shit out and you know, eventually we would all reach our our limits all the same. You know, everyone has their plateaus, their point of where that motivation runs dry. And, you know, some sometimes it, it, it shows in different ways. Sometimes it shows sooner. Sometimes, you know, people can't even get the ball rolling. Sometimes people can go for years before they realize that they're running out of motivation. And I, I've definitely, I've been a person that... Uh, uh, I think that I was able to, you know, work hard and long hours and on different projects and kind of get ahead on motivation. And I wanted to do that. I had a drive to do that. And I, you know, when I was suffering the most through like my concussion symptoms, I wanted to get healthier. And it's easy to do hard things when you want, when you want to. And that's why I've always told people like, they're like, how did you not drink for a year or whatever? And I said, it's actually really easy when you want to not drink. The hard part is wanting to drink and then not doing it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I wanted to drink in like the sense of like, oh, it would be fun, but I wanted health more than I wanted to drink. So it made the the decision easy when I was working on my concuss- concussions to not drink. And, you know, in, in that time I was getting healthy, whatever, I was starting a business. I wanted to work for that business. I wanted to do my CFAs. I wanted to, I did everything off motivation. And I thought that life design meant a life filled with only doing what you want. And it doesn't mean that it's easy. It's, I thought that the hard work of it was still getting up, but you know, I wanted to get up early and I wanted to do that shit. I wanted to go to the gym. And I did the work in the businesses that, you know, I was motivated to do. And yeah, every now and then you do a little of what you didn't want, but it wouldn't persist. And you try to find someone else to do it or whatever. And I mean, it, it became so clear in COVID, I think how wrong that was because when the, I guess when my environment changes enough, my wants change and I th- it just like it threw me it just threw me and I mean in hindsight it's clear how externally motivated I was like you know I wanted to work and build stuff in reference to you know I wanted to like be successful in reference to things and you know like I was thinking about you know my high school reunions and my friends and like I wanted to be successful for you know, internal reasons and self-satisfaction, but, you know, for my parents, for, I just like, I, I, and then I wanted to have money to do things, you know, with my friends and afford to do all the, the lifestyle stuff. And, 
I wasn't actually motivated in other ways. And I don't know, it just, I had this whole facade kind of built up and it just, it shattered pretty easily. And uh, it was really hard to restart because I couldn't find the motivation. And I was like, every day, I just would tell myself, listen, when I want to get back to work, I'll get back to work because I know I can. But then the the urge, the want never came. And uh, that's when I started to kind of panic. And in reflect, like I, 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 as a super analytical person, I started to like really reflect on um, the issue. And I started listening to getting back into, you know, listening to successful people. I was reading a few books and I was trying to look for a different answer. And as I said, when you read something at the right time and you're in the right mindset, some, some, some like different information starts to hit you and even shit that I've like listened to before. And, uh, I heard, I heard, I heard the principles of discipline and uh, like I, I, I could not have like switched quicker and, and I just started to think about everything from a different lens. I heard some successful people talk about how they, they learned to love doing the shit they hated and that's how they got successful. They didn't just do stuff that they loved. They learned, they loved just disciplining themselves and it started to make me realize that I looked at my life destination first. And when you see, uh, you know, in the distance, someone who's paid to be like an entertainer, a podcaster, a rock star, someone who started a business or is at the top of CEO of a company or whatever, it's, uh, it's really, and, and I mean, like you gotta, you gotta give some credit to like Instagram and the internet for just exposing you to so many different people that got successful so many different ways. And, uh, I mean, half these people don't even understand how they got successful. They just know that what they did worked and then they try to turn around and say, do what I did. And they don't realize that, um, I mean, only people that have exactly the same kind of mindset and gifts and abilities and traits and experiences will really click with their message. Not the exact same, but like a similar mindset will really click with their message. But the majority of people, um, like change is the, the hardest thing for people to do. Uh, the, the fundamental link between knowing what to do and actually doing that action is what people don't know how to put together. And they get lost in the sauce a little bit thinking about it and paralyzed by all this stuff. And it's cause they've, see the destination and because they don't see the path there they get anxious and I, I'm guilty of that too but I'm not as much as others and that's why others I think even have it harder than me sometimes but yeah I was looking at the destination and I said for sure that's what I want like there's no at least I want to get there to know if some iteration of that is actually what I want and I can adjust it but I got to get there where, you know, I live a life relatively uh, financially free because I, I got, I like to do things that cost money and I don't like uh, to be kind of crippled by the need to provide for, you know, family and, and stuff in the future. And uh, I like the idea of uh, creating an art and music and entertaining. It's just things I like and I have a knack for business and I get fulfillment when I 
do all these things. So I, I, I settled on that for my own, my own reasons. And if you listen to pod, it's been a bit of a journey. You, you understand how I got there. But uh, wait a minute. Sorry, I might, I might have lost my train of thought here. What was I saying? Rob? All oh, right. No fucking Rob here. Um, Lord Jesus, help me. Let me. Okay. Essentially, what I was saying is that I was able to break. I'm able to. People aren't able to get to the destination. It, it gives them anxiety. And uh, this idea was that I was sure of my destination. And I knew I wanted that. And I will never lose the motivation to be that person. But I lost the motivation on the day-to-day. And I realized that if I just let my day-to-day be dictated by what I want to do, then it changes with the winds. It changes with where I live, with who I'm surrounded by. And I mean, for some people that works. If they can put themselves in the right environment, surrounded by the right people, and just kind of get lucky and and build that, it, it works a million different ways. But... There's a certain type of person that gets successful that way, and it's hard to count on it. It's hard It's hard to build that environment. Um, there's a certain type of person that gets successful, and they don't, you know, they just have a certain set of traits, and they just work hard. I'm not saying, I'm not taking away from how hard they work, but they don't have to do the, the deep change. They have the, whatever drivers they have to get there, whether it's OCD or fucking depression or any, like they have things going on. Uh, maybe they were, you know, raised without money, and they wanted to provide. They have, they have desires, and and they they go, they get successful, and they, they may not even understand how how they really got there, and how to help other people get there that don't didn't have the same experiences. There are a certain type of person that's undeniable, and I've talked about this idea of being kind of undeniable, and they're the people that you look at their their kind of path to success, and you're like, they ch- things changed around them. They did not have ideal situations. And I'm not saying ideal in, as in my situation isn't ideal um, in terms of like I'm, com- I'm comfortable, I'm happy, I'm, I'm healthy, I got food on the table. I mean ideal in terms of whatever it is, I, I have not gotten a grip on certain things yet. And I'm not nailing it yet. So whatever it is, I can't find that. Um, and then obviously COVID isn't ideal for anybody. And... You know, it's not ideal for me to be fucking uh, fig- re- refiguring things out every couple of years like I'm some sort of like, uh, uh, like I'm in like 51st dates and I'm just like restarting all the time. Um, anyway, so this idea of like being sure of the destination and not how to get there and the motivation, the present, the undeniable person are always the people that like I said, learn to love discipline and they only focus on that and they trust that results will come. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, which is why it's so funny that when you just hear it from the right place or you see it from the right place, um, it really clicks. And I'm going to get to how the book plays into this because it, it, uh, it was, it solidified even, even more because I've had these thoughts before that, oh, you just got to do it and then the results will come and then I never do it. But that's because I was still looking at it coming from a place of motivation. I wanted to do it. And now I realize that you actually have to want to suffer. Um, And I'm not saying like you got to get whipped or, I mean, suffer is in, you got to learn to love to do the things you don't want to do. Like you got to actually learn 
to to and if, and if you don't love it you got to keep doing it if you want the results and i'll tell you now how it all plays in to the book and i realized that in order to get to my destination there's a few key things that are missing from rob and i's output and uh i'll get to what they are even uh in a, in a second but they were things that actually when I looked past across all my life, all my businesses, all my endeavors are kind of reflections of the same plateau. And then I started to like get like a Jim Carrey, like the number 23, where I just started seeing this pattern in all these parts of my life. Like I would reach plateaus and this, I don't know, just the same cycle where I've talked about this in a bunch of episodes too, which I, I keep hate saying that I, I've talked about it before, but I have, which is, uh, it's important to to say that. I, I am I am aware that, that these are simple principles that are just, I'm just repeating them now from a different place, um, a, a place more ready to understand them. And the plateau essentially is the point at which I'm not seeing enough progress or external reflection to keep my motivation going. So when it came to music, when this first started for me, I got, I bought a laptop or sorry, I bought a nice Mac station. I bought it from the money I kind of earned going with my previous jewelry business when I was having a crisis there, hitting the same plateau there. I I started, you know, doing silly stuff like spending the money, going on a trip to California, buying a computer, doing this, doing that, just doing other stuff to like, I, I don't know, fill some void. And the book talked about this, which is why it's really interesting to bring up. And, and in that void, I said, you know what? I don't want to be in, in jewelry because I'm, you know, I'm not a big fashion guy. And that's, that's why this is happening. And you know, I went through, I started the podcast with Rob and we went through a big self-discovery. What do we really want to be? And I do think we were correct in identifying this path. And I do think I was correct in identifying that, that you know, maybe jewelry wasn't the right main industry for me, at least. I'm not going to be Mr. Jewelry. Same way I, when I went to pilot school at Western and I, I graduated, I decided not to be a commercial pilot. And, and then I went through my CFA as a backup plan. I knew I never wanted to be in finance, but I just felt like a dummy while I was working on my, my health that I was sitting around. So I did something, but I, I, I made, I still made these decisions not to go in finance uh, and continue with jewelry. But where I was wrong is that I never, I never saw that business through. I hit a plateau where the only way to grow it was to do a certain type of work that I didn't want to do. I didn't feel comfortable doing. And then what I do is I start the next thing and I get it to that level and I've repeated and repeated. And then I even noticed that I do it at the gym. I do it with other things. I do it with any meaningful change or steps I take in my life. I, I'm motivated and I self-motivate well. So I fire myself up and I can go to the gym for seven years. And in that seven years, I worked out more or less, you know, on the same cycle. 
two, three months hard working out, um, maybe six months with like a two, two week gap, but I would work out on similar routines, maybe change it up a little bit. And I'd get to a certain point where I'd look in the mirror and I would be like, I look good. I'm strong. I feel confident. And I would satiate that kind of like, that kind of like uh, inner, whatever external validation I was looking for. And then I would hit a kind of a plateau around 180, close to 180, where in order to get past that weight for me, I got a target, like I got to like specifically hit like a tough region and I got to eat more. And I just wasn't willing to put in that work. And I, I would justify it like, you know what? I don't need to be bigger. It's too much work. And I would rationalize away. Deep down, I knew I always wanted to keep going and, and just kind of see where what, what le- levels I can reach. But I would rationalize it away. I didn't want to do the work. It wasn't worth it. I got other things on the go. I need balance. And it sounded like a real good rationalization. And you go with it. And then I take a little time off. I take or I, I work out only two or three times a week for like three months and just kind of maintain. And then it dips a little bit over time. And then I hit it again. And I do that cycle and I bounce off the same limits. I do that for business too. And I realized that with jewelry... You know, I make I I made the attempts to, you know, I, when I was running it with a partnership, and as I said, when you're in the right environment, things will go well. We had four partners, each were doing their roles. I was doing exactly what I was good at, what I was comfortable with. They were doing what they were good at, what they were comfortable with. The business was doing well; it was growing. We get into accelerator program. We get money. We're making money. We're getting celebrities. It's going great. Two of the partners leave. I take over the business as the main guy. Um, because you know my skill set was more to that and the other guy's skill set was more to marketing and essentially you know he he like anybody else was just not in just the, his environment changed he lost the other partners i was not a, i guess a good partner for him to give him whatever he needed to do his best work cuz he was just he was just floundering for whatever reason and he was taking it out on me and i was um floundering in my own way and I was doing exactly my job and I would not do an iota more and I was relying on him to do it I didn't want to do it any of the marketing and I justify it as oh he's doing the fun work and I'm doing all this shitty work but realistically it was a work I was comfortable doing the finances hiring and firing contracts you know like uh, operations fulfilling packages working on the product and with the manufacturer it's very task oriented even though you have to figure it out to some degree it's not the going to the great unknown and finding a way to make money the hardest thing sell market collaborate come up with new designs so eventually you know that's it's going to fail and that partner left uh in a messy way I learned some lessons but i ended up with the business the rest of the partners you know we 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 worked through it and and that ended up in my lap and i went through another business accelerator um where my mentor ian Haas, who's been on the podcast a couple of times we've talked about it you know he believed in me and he you know he, he he thought i could figure it out so i went i was going through another business accelerator um i started looking for new partnerships because again i I thought that's what I needed. I just need a partner to do this work. And uh, I, try, I started working with Eli a little bit. 
Eli Brown's also been on the podcast. He had his own business and he was trying to, you know, help me get successful. And it just, you know, it's, it, it just didn't work out, which, which totally happens. So, you know, he brought it to all these sales agents, but he was just in a different world and it just wasn't clicking. And instead of saying, okay, like maybe I just got to do it. You know, that's when I started getting lost. And I realized that, you know, I made one or two stabs to be the marketing guy and to be the making new products guy. And I think they went fucking tremendously. That's the crazy part. But they were a lot of work and they were uncomfortable. And they didn't work in the sense of they didn't make money right away. So I didn't get that instant gratification and that feedback loop to keep me wanting to do it. So I was like, oh, I, you know, I want someone else to do it. And I, for for like a couple of years, I was meeting with people, like trying to sell them on this position. Hey, I need someone to do, you know, marketing, whatever. I'll do all this other stuff. And sure, if I found that person, things would have worked out. And I think it still was a good offer, but it wasn't an undeniable situation. Success was only going to come if the right stars aligned. And uh, I realized that, you know, the one or two stabs I I made, you know, I was like, okay, I'll I'll make a new jewelry piece. I went out and I found, I designed some stuff and I thought it was pretty cool. I made some rings that I still think are fucking sick. And I put them out and they didn't sell. And I made a marketing video and I got my friends to do short films and like it was so fun and like made a thing, but it didn't work and it cost me money. And I started to doubt and instead of just trusting that, I will eventually find a way. I stopped. And uh, that's the same plateau I hit with that business. Is the same plateau that I hit when I started real estate photography. Is when I started the podcast. Is when I started the band. Is great, great, great at starting. Great at making the logos. Great at the first stabs at making the products. Like the songs and making the podcast. The first stabs. Really, I think a really good original idea. Our listeners... You know, we came out, we got a few hundred listeners. I think it's really impressive. And, you know, and you kind of, and I mean, like the jewelry business was still making money. So when I'm saying like things are just going well enough that to the untrained eye, like it's like going okay. And the podcast is going okay. And the music is going okay. We're doing better than the average. We're in the, or even, you know, maybe in the top 10%. Like I remember seeing that on my Shopify store. It's like, we could have been, I think we might've been in the top 1% of Shopify earners just, but that's just, that was more a testament to how many other people do poorly than how well we were doing. And, uh, that's why I think, you know, I've gotten away with living this way so long and COVID kind of shook me out of it, but essentially, um, sorry, it's hard, it's hard. I don't, I'm not going off notes here. I'm just kind of streaming this from the dome. Eventually, you hit that plateau. And if you're only working from motivation, you fall on your face. And again, I don't have regrets because I didn't... As long as I eventually get to the right answer, you can't regret anything. And it's each step is a, is a stumble, is a, is a learning tool. And fortunately enough, I've kept these businesses alive. And the male jeweler business did lead to my new partnership uh, in female jewelry, which is actually going really well because, again, I found a partner that is doing all that stuff, and it does happen. Um, but, again, I am doing work for her that's making me money, and we're having a good time, but my true calling, what I really want to do is be this person. So, 
as much as both are true, I, I, if I just did that and I got successful at some point, I would regret not developing this or doing this or pursuing this uh, either alongside it or, you know, eventually with, um, or if that business failed, I would just be another fucking dick in the wind. You know, like I'm just saying, if, if, if you're not undeniable, you're, you're a victim to whatever forces other, other people in the world kind of throw at you, if that makes sense. So I came to these realizations, these realizations that at the end of the day, it is just discipline. Motivation is great. And it's, it's what's gonna, it's gonna be a little boost to the fuel. It's the grease. It's the, all these things I can still use. And I can still play into the vanity and have fun with it. But if it's not built on discipline, it'll fail. It'll run out. So I decided to, this solution of moving forward into a new house with a fresh start, I wanted the house to be the environment to make it as easy as possible to be disciplined. And I know that sounds weird, but like... If if you have the ability to build a home studio, build a home gym, and for at a price that you know with with a little bit of hard work and organization you can afford, and you can still have time to work on your projects, you know, like that's uh, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And um, essentially, only focus on the things that I have not been doing previously and professionalize everything like if i'm if i'm gonna do have a podcast i'm building a podcast studio in this house like that's just like i I gotta professionalize it i gotta i gotta actually believe in myself if anyone else is gonna believe in me i think that's how you also attract the right people and the right partners and whatever is if you don't professionalize to the point where you're like no like i i am committing to this enough to call it my profession and do it professionally, then no one else is going to see it or it's going to be really rare for someone to see the potential in you. Uh, So yeah, like I want to build the podcast studio. I want to treat it as such, as a profession um, and put the effort into it that is getting, you know, quality guests, prepping for shows, thinking of segments and selling it. Same for the music when I would hit that plateau in music, for the first few months I bought that computer, I was obsessed. I was off motivation alone because I have this new tool and I'm now able to translate this, this creativity I, used, I had in my, my mind a lot about making music onto s- drums and bass and guitar and piano and synths in the computer for the first time and I was having so much fun. And then I hit a point where I was kind of hitting the learning curve where in order to, I, I had sounds in my head, but I couldn't make it sound like that in the computer. Or I couldn't make my guitar sound like that. Or if I could make my guitar sound like that, I couldn't record it onto the device or I'd sing out loud. But when I'd sing into the computer, it just wouldn't mesh all the same. And I realized that uh, in order to capture my creativity, like I, I would need to learn, um, I would need to get, th- get through this like learning curve of home production and stuff. And so yeah, like I did with all my previous businesses, I took a few stabs, you know, t- took a course, watched YouTube videos, got a little bit better, 
went back at it and was not really able to get to the quality I wanted. So my gut reaction, if you can guess it, was to, to look for someone to do it. And uh, that's how we released our first EP. Because uh, Robbie, again, Robbie didn't have the, the, the talent set either in capturing. He's a talented player and writer, like, but not in, in, in the actual music software. So we went to our friend Scott, who is a, a really good home producer, and we paid him to do the finishing touches. And that's where we got our first EP out in mid-20s, if you've heard that song. But it wasn't enough, because the songs, even though they were good and good enough, they weren't what I had in my mind. They were just enough that I would accept, you know, that's close enough. So we tried with our next song, Victoria, actually going to a studio, a professional. And again, a step in the right direction. Uh and something that could sustain but very expensive and still there was a uh, a problem which is that it's not the music I want to write day in and day out and there's a huge cost curve and barrier to entry and even before you go in the studio you you have to demo songs and you have to like make them at home to work on them so there's just no escaping this thing and I use that kind of like barrier as my plateau and I would not work on music every day because I would say what's the point like I I can't make it sound how I want I need to like f- find other people to do it and then it made us take a tremendous amount of time to do some things and it also really makes it hard for you to f- sell yourself as I said for people to work with you if you're not doing it every day and you're not walking the walk and like talking the talk it's really hard to go to other artists and say trust me it's all in my head I have this amazing ability like you we should work together you're really good at producing and and like unfortunately unless the stars align it's going to be really hard you have to you have to be a bit undeniable and you got to figure out a way to do it yourself and just hammer every day and I'm 43 minutes in to this podcast which is fucked um but it's finally where I got to this book and all this stuff that I've been saying. So picture that exact conversation is what I've been saying to the people I was living with, Robbie and Kevin. And Kevin's sitting there and he's going, dude, I agree. This all sounds like a book I read. And he'd been saying this for like a long time that you should read this book. But he's like, even he's like now more than ever, he's like, the stuff you're saying is like verbatim. What I read in this book called The War of Art and I'll tell you who it's by, uh, so you can look it up. But I mean, one Google, it's uh, you'll find it. it's by Stephen Pressfield. And uh, essentially, it's a three-part book. It's like a two two-hour read, maybe two and a half hours, and it breaks down exactly what I just explained, uh, but written well. So like, you know, imagine a professional writer, like he's an, he's a novelist. He's a successful one. He wrote, you know, the legend of beggar Vance and, uh, he, he captures it well. Cause he, I guess, went through the exact same thing and, you know, funks and rock bottoms, whether it's COVID or for him, it was a divorce and losing his family and being living in a car at, I think a pretty like decently old age, um, like late thirties or whatever. And, coming to some realizations and eventually getting through, but he broke the book into three parts. The first part was defining resistance. Resistance being procrastination, you know, the rationalization. Like I said, 
of you know at the gym do i don't really want to put in the time i it's good enough and these rationalizations are really real like they make a lot of sense like oh you know for him like i gotta spend more time with you know the the wife the kids whatever and like these are real things but they're challenges they're not a reason not to do what you want to do and he explains all these rationalizations and he explains the effects of going with resistance and that they always manifest outwardly and he like described me to a t and it was a bit i bet a lot of people that read it would find you know the relevance to their own lives but you know when you're not living true to what you say you can you start to get that feeling of guilt you start to spend money you know drink party more you know maybe go on more dates try to find things in other people that you can't find in yourself and you you were animals at the end of the day and we're actually like kind of predictable and we're really our pattern based things um so you know you, you everything i was doing in covid playing video games distracting myself watching this was really just the the deepest form of giving into um, resistance and rationalization and not doing the things that I knew deep down that either I'm capable of and I, or I wanted and, and all that shit. And he breaks it down and, and it was so shocking the second part because verbatim and like I'm telling you I was saying like the profession and the professionalized stuff before I even read this book but chapter two is about professionalizing. So it was like a very kind of like awesome experience like having this guy write a doctrine of what you were feeling and it it really kind of reassured me that you know maybe i'm on the right track and uh, essentially he said those principles he's like at the end of the day what is the professional you know like what is the undeniable kind of person and i don't think he said undeniable but in, in his own words and he talked about how that they were the people you see that work on it every day and are obsessed with getting better. And the majority of them talk about success as in, I would have done this anyway and I just wanted to get better and I'm so happy I get to do this for a living or whatever. You hear how they talk about it and you see how hard they work even though they're at the top of their game and you realize they love to do it. It's also why you see billionaires like still working. They love to do it. They they were obsessed with the process and that process got them billions of dollars. They weren't obsessed with having billions of dollars. There are people that are and they get there maybe all the same but they get there through a very different way and a lot of times feel the same dissatisfactions as the the original maybe maybe stereotypical failure would whether it's in their relationships or whether it's in their spending habits or their vices it it manifests that they are not at all living maybe what their true calling is and in some cases they get to that level they realize that you hear a lot of celebrities or famous people be like oh i realized that it didn't fulfill me and then they made some changes and they figure it out so it doesn't matter their pathway to get there. All I'm just saying is um, the, the principle remains the same. And the people that do that disciplinary kind of process-oriented first are the ones that are more undeniable. You know, they are the ones that you they push through and whether they win or lose, they usually take it in a really healthy manner and just get back to work and 
you know, if they win, they get back to work. And if they lose, they get back to work and they make a change. And they they are really only in a battle with themselves. And that's why they don't, you know, give into pressure or outside things. And so he talked about professionalization and how it's really essential if you're going to go into especially something radical, like not even radical, but art artistry or entrepreneurship. And don't get me wrong, like just reading this book doesn't figure anything out. It, it doesn't alleviate any of the work. And I'm sure a thousand people read this book in millions then didn't do a thing. And I think if I would have read this book um, from a different mindset, I would have read it in the mindset of motivation. And I would have said, okay, what a great motivator to do more of the same. I would have done more of the same shit. You know? Uh, uh, so I think I'm fortunate to kind of go through the failures the way I do. And I, I, I don't know if it resonates with you as well. And you know, if it, uh, if, if it just motivates you, maybe read it too and go through the failures that motivation brings and start recognizing patterns and, and maybe, or you're smarter than me and you can just get right to discipline and don't disguise motivation as discipline. Cause trust me, they look a lot alike. Uh, it's uh anyway so yeah then uh, like the the idea of <clears throat> just continuing to work on it and hearing this guy write about it because in part 3 he talks about how the greatness really comes when you give up on the result and i think it took the biggest weight off my shoulder when it comes to music because I am a perfectionist and that's what, it it makes discipline a lot easier. And he talked about environment too and, you know, it, 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 setting up the right sort of surroundings and it does all help and all that stuff helps. But essentially when it, when it just comes to focusing on the process, I mean, you don't have to love it. As I said, I might love playing video games more than I love sitting on the computer, but I do really enjoy the results of music a lot more than I enjoy the results of video games. So I have to love the discipline of my practice. And uh, that means getting through the learning curve and not worry, not worrying about the results. And, you know, I sat on logic, which is the name of the software for four hours today. And it felt like I didn't do anything. And, and other day, other days is 10 hours. Like I, I will just sit in it and sit in it and, work on stuff and I'll throw it all out at the end of the day. But he said, even says that in the book, he's like, I wrote entire novels I threw out. And it's just, it is, it is interesting to think about that. Greatness really will come. The minute I crack through this barrier and I can start to make sounds like I, I envision in my head or, or I, I at least get close enough where the right people are attracted and and I'm I'm walking the walk and I can be surrounded by the people and you know I I I obviously hope Robbie can can come to the same conclusions but it's also part of the reason why we almost split up is because uh we have different di- different opinions and um you know he's willing to try and that's why I got to give Robbie all the props in the world he he flipped. He was. He didn't want to go into this house and do this whole thing. But he wanted to keep working, though, but living at home and saving up money. And he had a different philosophy. And I just, I basically said, I need to do it this way for myself. And he eventually 
said, you know what, I'm down to try it too. Or at least be, you know, alongside me because he didn't want to give up on, on our project. So power to Robbie for, for coming through and giving it a shot. And I want these things, you know, for the people around me because, um, man, like if, if your friends are doing well, you're doing well. Uh, but anyway, to try not to ramble on too much, essentially these, the not caring about the results will, will make sure that all the hours I do waste will not be in vain. As long as I make it to the point where I start to make breakthroughs, whether it's personally or with people that I'm collaborating with or that are helping me, it, it, the time won't be wasted as long as I get there. And I have to make the routine of it the same way I'm going to apply this principle in, in to the gym, to other things in my life that I, I find uh, I hit these plateaus with, or just in general, like issues I have, I find that discipline makes almost everything better. And it's not going to be like this house of torture and pain and like sadness. Like the people who I look at that do all the things I want to do, if you look at the total picture, like whether it's they go on camping trips or a road trip through the States or um, they ride you know, snowmobiles in the winter and go snowy or fucking snowboarding and Whistler. But before anything or surfing in Hawaii, like anything you like that someone else is doing camping, for example, they plan that camping trip. They got the gear, they saved up a little bit of money and they did their work in advance. So they could take some time off or whatever they did. They did the discipline in order to do the thing they like to do. And I mean, even people that love partying, the best of them do the discipline to make sure that, you know, hey, let's do it on a boat. Let's do it on this. Let's do the pre-work. Hey, let's plan it ourselves. And like just every, uh, I mean, just like everything, uh, if, if you do the work before it, it gets better. So like, I think fun gets better. I think enjoyment gets better. The same way working out gets better. The same way um, your purpose in life, you get you draw closer to it. If you do it from a place of discipline, and the book says that this resistance you feel is the best indicator of, of where to start. And like in my case, like it's doing doing this, the thing you want to do least in these businesses, the stuff that I haven't been doing is, is a great place to start. And that's where I will start. And it's pretty easy to see when you look at what's the things you're rationalizing away the most. Like you basically have like a, at least I do like a two voices on your shoulder. You have the optimistic angel, let's call it the angel. And he, he even references angels in his book, but I mean, it got a little like he started like referencing like Greek gods and like inspiration as like muses at the end. Like he put his own twist on it. I'll give him that. Like it's it's fun, but it's I, I have a bit more of a practical sense. And he, he references people like me. You can still have that belief. <clears throat> you have like an angel on your shoulder, an optimist. That that's the one that if it's if that voice is in tune right, it's looking at successful people saying, you know, I can do that. They probably worked hard for it. They look at, you know, they're the ones saying, you can do it. 
you can reach these destinations and it's the voice that tells you this is what you probably got to do to get there then you have the other voice and it's comfort oriented it's protective it's scared it's your insecurities and um basically it's rationalizing well maybe it's the one that's saying oh maybe you don't maybe you don't go out and and do that thing you know it could embarrass you and this and that and and all that shit and i mean it's it's a real voice and i i think to some degree it's not wrong but you gotta you gotta listen to them for the the right things because the one the one voice also that the optimistic i can do it includes a lot of ego and a lot of hubris and a lot of other things so you got to take them for what they are and what i realized is that the discipline component doesn't have a voice there is no voice of discipline discipline is only action you can't think about doing or talk about doing there's no voice there's no there's nothing it's discipline is the action so you got one voice trying to help you make decisions and you know leading them towards comfort and the other voice telling you well this is probably what you should do and this is what you can do but it's leaning towards you know ego or whatever and at the end of the day if you're listening to any voice after you've already decided what you need to do you you, you fucked up already because once you've made your decision that something needs to get done daily, routinely, you need to do that until you've learned how to that it isn't working and you got to change it to the next thing um, or it does start to work and you realize you're on the right path. And that's the only way discipline pays off. So <clears throat> to kind of wrap this, like to try to try to like reel it in, um, it was cool to read that book at a specific point where weirdly I had just gone through something like the author described. I, I'd suggest giving it a read, War of Art. Uh, it really is, uh, it really is a battle against yourself. Like it, to call it a war, I don't think it's an understatement. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up. Uh, I, I hope that you know, this podcast, in order to make it meaningful, it's got to be meaningful to to me to begin with, right? Like, how is it going to be meaningful? How, how are my music, my business is going to be meaningful to other people if it's, if it's not meaningful to me? And these podcasts kind of serve as a bit of a, a diary, a bit of a journal. Um, and I'm trying to capture in this episode a feeling, like a thought. And it's it's an interesting process because, you know, if you just tranced out for that entire episode like I did, that was a stream of consciousness. It's a, it's capturing, you know, just exactly what's flowing out of my head as I'm feeling at on Tuesday at 8.53 p.m. when I'm recording this for the second time. Um, and I listen back when I record it, but I also listen back usually a few weeks or a few months down the line and it, it's meaningful to me to capture these feelings because it's what helps keep me on track and it 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 
as reminders to how I was feeling. And even when I'm just shooting the shit or listening to a guest, the guests make me feel a certain way. When you're shooting the shit, you, you, you remember, you know, enjoyable things you joked about or talked about. It's, it's a meaningful thing. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, if you're still listening to, to have people that do this too, uh, or do this with, I guess. And, uh, I also am going to professionalize and this is me actually starting to sell myself as well because as I said, the components that I've been missing is the the doing of the everyday creation, whether it's creating jewelry, creating songs, living the life of whatever path you're choosing. And then the second part is collaborating, selling yourself, selling it, reaching out. You know, when you've made dope rings, you got to sell them. You made a dope song, you gotta sell it. And sell, 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 and then eventually you'll realize, oh, okay, you know, it didn't work and I really tried. Maybe you have some feedback or maybe you have the next song because you kept creating and you sell, sell, sell and, and you you just keep at it and uh, that's eventually how you're gonna break through. And sell means, in every sense of the word, sell yourself to, I'm not just saying sell a product, I mean like, like be, it's part of the professionalized, like, like for this podcast, <clears throat> tell people, I got a podcast. I'm a podcaster. I come on the show, try to co- convince guests, you know, try to entice the listeners to share it with their friends, sponsors, like, like that's part of it. But then on the other side, I also have to walk the walk, which means I got to put in the prep. I can't just do the bare minimum, keep it alive, like make the studio, make the banner, put in the pre-work. Have have thoughts like this. Find guests that are fun. Find topics that are fun. Segments that are fun. Do something to make this meaningful to myself and then hope that it's also meaningful to the people I'm trying to get it out to. If this helped you uh, too and you read that book and you get a kick um, or you, you make some sort of change, uh, I urge you to share this, post it, um, or just tell a friend. I mean, it doesn't matter if you don't, but I'm definitely going to start asking now, always, for everything, uh, just out of principle. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, yeah, too many jams, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, see you next Tuesday. Cheers. Cheers.